Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our midweek teaching. I'm David Hakes, a pastor at Daybreak Community Church. It's great to be with you this week. We are in a series right now called Regarding Scripture, and I want to talk just for a few minutes today uh, about this question, how do I study the Bible? You know, sometimes the Bible can seem pretty overwhelming, and you're like, where do I start? How do I understand this? Uh, how do I study it? So we want to talk a little bit about that today. One very practical approach that I want to share with you um, for Bible study is a three-part process of uh, observation, interpretation, and application. Uh, These three steps can really help you to orient yourself to a passage, uh, to wrestle with what it's trying to communicate, and examine your life in light of God's Word. So let's begin by talking about observation Uh, When you begin to study a passage, the the first step will be just to observe the text. And so observation um, asks the question, what does the text say? What are like the big ideas? Uh, What jumps out at you? What seems strange? Um, You know, who is this about? What is this? uh, Who's writing this? Just what does the text say? And as you do observation, you can pray, Lord, help me see it. Your goal in observing is to identify what the author is trying to communicate to to his readers. Now, if you have time, what can be really helpful is to like read the entire book, you know, in uh, a few sittings uh, so that, you know, you kind of have you kind of have a sense of a whole thing before you start to break down a particular chapter or passage of scripture. Um, But sometimes that can take a lot of time. I know Parker Ford Church, you're you're going through the Gospel of Luke. And uh, hopefully you've had a chance to read through the whole gospel at some point to kind of get the big overview. Um, But uh, observation, uh, let's say you're studying the book of Mark. And, uh, you know, if you can try to read the whole gospel of Mark, but then uh, you might want to turn your attention to, let's say, verses one to eight in the first chapter. All right. And, and, And pay special attention to the to the headings that our modern translations give us because they've worked hard at like sectioning off parts of each chapter, breaking things down into sections like different stories or teachings or events. And uh, so your goal in observation is just to notice as much as possible. Uh, You want to focus on things like um, keywords, like words that are repeated, phrases that are repeated again and again, uh, things that seem especially important. Um, throughout Mark's gospel, you'll notice that he uses like words like immediately or right away uh, to kind of keep the action going, to keep the drama moving along at a fast pace. So when you're looking for key words, you're on the lookout for words that that unlock a passage or reveal something about the author. Uh, you want to look for sentence structure. Just have a basic idea of like the subject who is this about? Who's talking? Uh, the predicate, right? The, 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 the part of the sentence containing a verb and explaining something about the subject. Um, just pay attention to sentence structure. The genre is super important. Uh, as we've uh, talked about uh, before in previous weeks, the Bible's many books come in many different genres. And so you're going to read, say, the Gospel of Mark a lot different than you would read, say, uh, a book of poetry like the Psalms or a book of wisdom like Proverbs, or even like a letter to the church uh, in the New Testament, one of the Pauline epistles. 
And so genre is, is super important. And uh, how you approach the genre will make a big difference. And then uh, pay attention to the background. Sometimes the background details tell you a lot about a particular passage. Uh, for example, when you read about something that happens in the Gospel of Mark, you want to pay close attention to like where it's happening and who's there. Um, is there anything that would indicate like the emotional state of the people in the story? Sometimes what's not said is just as important as what is said. Um, also, uh, the, the five W's, right? The who, what, when, where, why, and how. Uh, when you're doing observation, just ask those questions over and over again. Who is this about? What is happening? When is this taking place? Where is this taking place? Uh, why is this happening? And, and how is this all unfolding? Uh, just ask those questions when you're doing observation. So I want to give you an example of observation uh, from the Gospel of Mark. Oh, by the way, I like to do observation with a pen in hand, but uh, my Bible does not look like that. <laughs> and maybe you're the type of person you're like, yeah, I don't like feel comfortable marking up my Bible uh, like that. that. That's a little crazy. But what you can do is just maybe get a notebook. And uh, as you're reading and studying the Bible, you can just make some notes off to the side. Or what I like to do sometimes is I go to BibleGateway.com. I copy a passage and paste it into a Word document. And then uh, I kind of make the font bigger, uh, you know, kind of space things out, extra wide margins. And then I like highlight, you know, repeated words or keywords, highlight it in a particular color. You can change colors. And then I like to make all these little text boxes off to the side and, and uh, ask questions and write notes and, and just kind of do some observation that way. So it depends on your style. Sometimes I like to just, just to print this off as well and then, you know, handwrite stuff. Uh, sometimes I just like to play with my laptop and, and uh, color, color it all up and, and do that as well. So uh, I want to give you an example of observation here. This is Mark chapter one, verse one. And uh, Mark says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God. And so we can tell, like, as we're doing some observation here, we can tell that the purpose of Mark's writing is to tell us the story of Jesus. And so this is historical narrative. Mark says that he's starting at the beginning. But you may know that like Luke and Matthew begin with Jesus's birth story. And so you might just want to like, you know, write a little note off to the side and just kind of make that observation that, you know, Mark's beginning of the gospel story does not include the very beginning. It's like, hey, wait, wait a second. Mark skips Christmas. What? What is Mark doing here? You'll also note that Mark desires to tell you some good news, and this good news is about Jesus. A lot of people have all sorts of news, and this might um, make you wonder a little bit whether this good news is for Mark, or if Mark thinks that this good news applies to everyone. And kind of keying into the term good news right here will help you understand uh, Mark's gospel. It's a critical term that he uses repeatedly here in his book. You'll also notice right out of the gate that Mark has introduced Jesus with two titles. And so if I was marking this verse up, if I was making some observation, I would circle Messiah and I would circle Son of God. Uh, this seems pretty important. Um, I would make a note to like dive into those two terms later. So together, these observations help you think about the author's purpose and uh, what they're trying to communicate. Observation is a starting point. It's kind of like the foundation. 
everything else that you do is kind of building upon uh, upon this foundation. Make sure that you take time to observe. Uh, so many times we just like rush into scripture and we like, you know, are trying to, uh, you know, uh, connect things and apply it to our lives even before we stop and try to notice all that there is to notice and see here in the text. The more work that you do during this part of the study, uh, the better that the rest will go. So try challenging yourself the next time that you're studying scripture, uh, challenge yourself to like, you know, work hard at trying to make 10 observations. And uh, if you get to 10 observations, say, all right, I'm going to push myself. and I'm going to try to make five more. The next step uh, after observation is interpretation. So an in observation, you're asking the question, what do I see? When you get to this step of Bible study interpretation, you're asking the question, what does the text mean? Or even more specifically, what does the text mean to the original reader or to the original audience? And as you work through this part of Bible study, you're praying, Lord, help me understand it. And here you want to go back over the passage and, and all of your observations. You want to ask as many questions as you can. Uh, don't be afraid to ask hard questions. Uh, don't be afraid to ask silly questions. Um, there really aren't any wrong questions. And sometimes what seems like a silly question can actually reveal critical insight. As questions arise, they... Uh, they give you direction for further reading and study. And uh, you'll be like, okay, I need to dig into that a little bit more here and do a little bit of research on this. And so ask questions and then seek to answer them. Um, this is where uh, secondary resources uh, become really helpful. Uh, these might include Bible dictionaries. As you ask questions and are trying to answer them, you may need to look at a secondary resource. Um, might need to consult an atlas or a map. Uh, you might need to look at a concordance or, a, or some sort of Bible handbook. Uh, sources like these can give you vital information to help answer your questions. So I want to go back to Mark 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, and give you an example of interpretation. So again, the verse is the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And so we want to do some interpretation. We want to ask some questions. What does this verse mean? And so here's some good questions. Why does Mark not include the Christmas story in the beginning? Um, what does Mark mean by good news? What does the term Messiah mean? Is there any significance to the fact that Mark does not need to explain what that title means? Could that be a clue about his intended audience? What about Son of God? Why did Mark feel that this title was necessary on top of calling Jesus the Messiah? So now that you've come up with some questions, it's, it's time to do some research. And so even though you might be familiar with the word Messiah, uh, you might want to focus on Mark and his original audience. What did the word mean to them? What kind of feelings and hopes did, did this invoke by using this particular uh, term Messiah? For the first question, uh, why does he not include the Christmas story? Uh, you might want to think through your initial reading of Mark. Uh, it's the shortest of all the Gospels, and you might have noticed that Mark seems to focus on the action and hitting all of the significant points. Um, and then you could come back and you could look at how all the other Gospels start. And uh, you could kind of do some research and, 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 and kind of like, okay, Matthew, uh, as you read Matthew, the beginning of Matthew, it starts with, you know, Jesus' genealogy and then gives us a little glimpse into his birth. But in the third chapter of Matthew, it tells us about Jesus' baptism by John. 
Uh, if you look at Luke, I mean, Luke gives us the most information, most information about the birth of Christ uh, and even pro provides us with a glimpse into uh, Jesus as a child. But then just like Matthew, Luke gets to the baptism in the third chapter. Uh, same thing with John. John um, kicks off with some critical theological points and then immediately launches into the baptism as well. And so as you as you look at all four Gospels, uh, they all begin differently, but they all come together at the baptism. And so this seems to be the kickoff point of Jesus' ministry. So when Mark tells you that he's starting at the beginning, uh, it's safe to say that he's talking about the beginning of Christ's ministry. Um, just a quick word of advice, all right? Uh, and I'm speaking to myself here as well, okay? Interpret first, use commentaries second. Uh, commentaries can be incredibly useful and powerful tools, but be wise about how you incorporate them into your study. Um, it's, it can be easy to just become really dependent on them. And if you're not careful, they'll do all the work of observation and, and interpretation for you. Um, there's, man, it's just something incredibly rewarding about like digging into scripture yourself and mining those nuggets of truth for yourself. You're like, yes, look what the Holy Spirit and I were able to discover in this passage. You know, uh, look at these questions that I asked and look at the things that I learned and the things that jumped off the page at me. Um, if you choose to consult a commentary uh, during your study, try to do it toward the end. Um, you know, go through the passage and do all the observation interpretation yourself, but then come back through with a commentary. Uh, using a trusted commentary can help in, in several different ways. It can actually show you some details that you might have missed uh, in the observation and interpretation. Uh, it can train you to be like, you know, more of an explorer and to kind of look for these things. Um, commentaries can provide you with answers that you weren't able to come up with on your own. And uh, maybe even give you some clues on some interpretive techniques and tools for, for, for the future. And it, also, it, it can also provide details and facts that uh, you do not yet have the capacity of the training to pick up on your own. Finally, after you do observation and interpretation, then you have application. And uh, this is asking the question, how does the meaning of the text, how does it apply to my life? And so this is a really important prayer. Lord, help me to live it. Um, unlike other forms of study, when it comes to uh, studying the Bible, the ultimate goal of Bible study is not information, right? It's not to hold up your Bible and go, look at all of my notes. Look at all of my observations. Um, it's not for more information. It's actually for transformation. You may have heard that before, right? not just for information, but for transformation. Uh, the purpose of exploring and, and, and interpreting scripture is to apply what the Bible teaches to your life. Uh, your desire should be to know God's word better, to know scripture better so that it can change you. I wanna give you an example of application. This is a pretty easy one. We're gonna jump from Mark to Matthew. Uh, this is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 13. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. After studying the importance of salt uh, to the first century Judean people, uh, you would have probably a clear picture of its significance to Jesus's original audience. 
uh, you would discover that salt is not just uh, used for flavor, um, not, not just a flavor food, but it also helped food from spoiling. Your next question would probably be something like this, as, as you think about how do you apply this to your life? You might ask, you know, how's my saltiness? <laughs> what kind of flavor and preserving qualities do I bring to the people in my life, to my circle of influence? Some passages uh, will be very clear, uh, you know, like what you should do with this passage, how you should apply this to your life. Other passages may not have a clear application. The first verse of Mark that we've been looking at uh, for the last few minutes doesn't have immediate actionable teachings, but you still need to be open to the Holy Spirit moving as you study. Sometimes the application will simply be deeper faith and firmer belief. For instance, as you, uh, you know, dig into these two terms that Mark uses for Jesus, the Messiah and the Son of God, you just, as you dig into that, you might be moved to respond in prayer and worship. This is always a powerful application of Scripture, always. So when you break down the discipline of Bible study down to its simplest forms, it's just a few steps. It's exploring the passage. It's observation. It's interpretation. And then you get to application where you ask, you know, how do I respond to what God is saying um, in this text? And as you work through these steps regularly, you will get better at them. And you will be, uh, more importantly, you will be changed. You will be transformed. Uh, one of the best things about studying God's word is that you can come back to a book that you've already studied in the past. You can come back to a, a chapter or a passage that you may have already studied. But you can come back to it and discover all new insights. <laughs> the, the Bible is just so rich in meaning and it's alive and it's powerful and it still speaks. So hopefully this will help you as you read and study scripture. May it transform your life. Blessings to you on the rest of your day. Thanks for taking a few minutes to watch and to listen. Blessings.